0: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingus, number one in its field. The brilliant Tasmanian filly Mystic Journey roared into the racing headlines around Australia when she bolted away with the $1 million Group 1 Australian Guineas at Flemington. This is a fairy tale story in every sense. The filly was an $11,000 purchase at a Tasmanian yearling sale She's trained by Adam Trinder, a former champion jumps jockey who was already making his mark as a trainer but has now been catapulted into the spotlight and her jockey Anthony Darmanin is a 36-year-old who for 11 years has been riding track work for Lloyd Williams at his showplace Macedon Lodge property. Anthony's introduction to Tasmanian racing came about in 2011 when trainer Peter Kelagotis shipped a horse called Marino over there to win the Tasmanian Derby in Hobart. And the jockey has been commuting to Tassie ever since. Everybody in racing is curious about the background of Anthony Darmanin, who has brought Mystic Journey such a long, long way. He's online to talk to us now. Great to have you on the podcast, Anthony. Thanks, John.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, the stewards took a little gloss off the wind, didn't they, when they got you for two whip infringements, an eight-day suspension and a $500 fine. Did you deserve it?
1: Yes, John, I did. Um, I I breached the rules, so I I served my eight-day penalty. Um, I was just a little bit excited on the day and I uh, struck the horse a little bit too many times.
0: Well, that was Mystic Journey's ninth win from 12 starts. She's already won well over a million dollars. You had a terrific run inside horses in the Guineas, but your heart must have been in your mouth, Anthony, because you tell me she's not really comfortable in there.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, She just doesn't really feel comfortable inside horses. Uh, One day at and she got crowded for a room that day, and um, ever since then, she's really never been comfortable inside horses. but. Luckily enough, um, she, she drew line and she felt um, okay in amongst in amongst the field and she had a little bit more galloping room than usual. And um, once she burst through the gap, she was um, definitely more comfortable once she was in her free free yeah. lane.
0: Now, right on the line, Anth, Did she switch off a bit?
1: Yeah, she definitely did. She uh, once she uh, went past Hawkshot, um, she kind of switched off and thought she, the job was done, and she one quite
0: comfortable in the end. Mm. Let's trace her career. As I said, she's only had the 12 starts. It all started on New Year's Eve 2017 at Elwick in Hobart in an open two-year-old over 1,000 metres. Adam thought she could win. I think you led in that one.
1: Yes. Um, Adam was quietly confident. Um, he said she'll just get the job done today. Um and, yeah, she, she did. She just jumped, won, led, led the race, and she kind of won with fear. She just kept running. Um, but oh. I, I thought um, that was probably her mark. She'd probably be in my mood.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I, I was quite wrong about that.
0: 24 days later, you went to Mowbray for a race called the Alpha Bowl, and she wins again.
1: Yeah, she surprised me. I I didn't think she could win that day. Um, and, she, yeah, she came out and... She improved from her first run, and um, mm. quite surprisingly, she, she won quite well.
0: Adam waited another three weeks uh, to the Elwick Stakes, a listed race, 1,100 metres this time, and she wins again. She wasn't winning by fancy margins, though, Anthony, was she?
1: No, she wasn't. There was a horse called second over that was always running second to her and um, always was coming, coming close, you know. Mm. to beat me and um, this day she, she she drew well and she was in the 1-1 position and um looked like she was never going to win. She hit the phone and the GG second level were putting it to me and um, mm. she was just so tough and brave and honest that, that day and she, yeah. she surprised me and she toughed it out really well and won again.
0: Mm. Well, she made it four straight at Mowbray when she won another listed, the goal Sovereign Stakes, this time up to... 1,200 metres, and then Adam put her away for a fairly long spell. First up, he went to Caulfield, and she ran fourth there, beaten about seven lengths. You didn't ride her that time, Anthony. A young Aitken rode her in that race.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I think he wanted to claim. Um, so, yeah, that's what he did. She right. uh, didn't, have, didn't have much luck in running, but I think she, her, her run was quite well still.
0: Mm. Well, she's a three-year-old by now. And uh, back to Tassie, she wins at Devonport, and this time by a decent margin. Could you feel her switching on and starting to focus a bit more? Uh
1: yes, Uh not, hundred percent, not really. I thought she would win. Yeah. um, a very strong race. I thought she'd win that, and um, you know, then see where Adam places her next. But yeah, she she well, and she set up third leader, and she really flattened well and quick, and really well through the line, and i quite.
0: Quite well that, that day mm. she's been on the ferry a few times because from Devonport back to Mooney Valley she ran fifth in a race there not beaten all that far but she probably wasn't feeling anything like a group one filly at that stage yeah when we ran at Mooney
1: Valley she definitely should have won the race she got mm. back in the run and just
0: couldn't
1: go crack it on at any stage and just ran up behind a lot of backsides and yeah. I said to Adam I'm so sorry she should have won and um yeah, and then she came back to Caulfield and she had no luck in Caulfield, three deep with cover, and, and she blew them away that day. And, and, and I was quite pleased because she should have won the start before. So mm. it just proved that she should have won at Moonee Valley.
0: It did. That Caulfield race was the listed Jim Maloney. She was stepping up to 1,400 metres this time, and she won by two and a half lengths. A month later, a Group 2, a Phillies Classic at Moonee Valley, and she bolted in again.
1: Yeah, she had no luck at Mini Valley. We were supposed to go forward, sit outside the leader, but there was a lot of pace, so we got stuck three deep uh, the entire race, but she relaxed so well on the run. Um, she wasn't really doing much work, and she rounded them up that easy on the corner, and I thought i pushed the button a little bit too early, but mm. it was just way too much for them.
0: Yep. Well, Adam must have been tempted to stay in Melbourne the way she was going at the time, but he thought better of it. He took her back home, turned her out again for a good blow, and that could have been the master stroke uh, she won two at home in terrific style before coming over for the guineas. One of them was a ripper of a win. You had to go very wide round the home turn, and she was racing away from them on the line
1: yeah that that was a most impressive win I believe One um, one first and first, but she drew wine, and Adam took that back and just go around and um and I gave him a, a hell of a start, and I didn't think she'd be able to pick him up. And her turn of foot that day was incredible. I just couldn't believe how mm. so she just picked him up in a few strides and, and, and won quite well. And then that's when I knew mean. she was she was very smart. That was the day I thought, yeah, she's definitely good some. Mm.
0: Well, you've gained a wild card entry into the five million dollar All Stars Mile on the sixteenth of March. Um, let's hope for a barrier. And let's hope for a similar run to the one you got in the Guinness.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just so excited. I just can't believe how far she's come. So I think she's definitely a winning chance in the race. She's um, done everything right so far. So hopefully we can draw a nice barrier and get a nice lane transit. I'm sure she's going to be very competitive. Mm.
0: Anthony, we've seen this scenario many times over the years where one horse can come out of the blue and literally, kickstart a jockey's career. She has been so good for Anthony Darmanin.
1: Yeah, she's, I think her name is perfect because of Mystic Journey, and she's definitely putting me on a journey that I never thought was possible. Um, I never thought I'd be able to ride in Group 1 races, let alone win one. So hmm. at the moment, she's given me the best thrill of my life, um, and hopefully the journey keeps continuing.
0: After that Tasmanian Derby win in 2011 on Moreno, you started to commute to Tasmania sometimes twice a week. You fly over and back in one session and Adam Trinder was one of the first trainers over there to start using your services.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Perry Gallagher told me a week before the race, uh, the Derby, and said, would you go to Tasmania and ride my horse? And I thought, yep, no worries at all. Um never been to Tasmania before and mm. lucky enough we won and then yeah ever, ever since then my trainers have started calling me and asked me to keep coming, coming back to ride over there and um, mm. Adam was uh, a huge supporter of mine and yeah I had a look back and I've been there for now uh, for my sixth season uh, riding in Tasmania mm.
0: Anthony have you ever considered moving there permanently?
1: Uh, no just my job at Lloyd Williams is uh, too good for um, at this stage, I'll be working for Lloyds um, as long as I can, so um, Good. I won't be moving at it uh, until I've got my job at Lloyds.
0: A few random questions. You're of Maltese origin, born in Melbourne, with no racing background in the family whatever, uh, other than one of your grandfathers who dabbled in the trotting sport in Malta. They have no thoroughbred racing in Malta, but... Trotting is pretty big, really, and uh, that's the only connection you have to horses. Anywhere in your family background?
1: Yeah, um, none of my family have anything to do with horses, or um, just a good friend of mine, Matthew Gat, he was a jockey, and um, Mm. he introduced me to the sport. So, um, yeah, my family has no background in racing, and I was right, and... I didn't really want to go to school for much longer and um, I knew mean, you had to be light, but I didn't really know what a horse was until I was pretty much 17 years of age. And mm. um, He gave me a number to call for Racing Victoria that uh, Frank Militore used to look after the apprentices those days yeah. and um, I gave him a call and he sent me to Colin Olison's at Cranbourne and, and um, so I drove all the way to Cranbourne and I thought this was very far away and mm. um, yeah, I, I gave it a go.
0: So when you arrived at Colin Alderson's place, you didn't know a head collar from a hoof.
1: Not at all. No, I didn't know <laughs> anything whatsoever. I had a meeting with Colin Alderson, and he—the first words he said to me—he looked at my feet and um, he said, "There's no point you even even attempting being a jockey. You're going to be way too heavy." Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't attempt it. Yeah. Um, I'm 40, I'm forty-eight kilo. So you yeah. got that one wrong. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> he yeah, certainly so, did. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it was definitely hard work at the start, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and you'd have g- had some pretty lousy jobs, I'd imagine, in the first 12 months. You were riding the stable pony bareback early on, weren't you?
1: Yeah, so I did pretty much stable boxes for the whole 12 months um, and led a couple of horses around, and then mm. um, he put me on the pony bareback and just tried to learn my balance and um, mm. learn about the horse. And then um, he thought I was... Ready, so he shipped me off to New Zealand to start doing track work for Alan Jones.
0: Yeah, now that that that's surprising, Anthony. Colin Alderson, to whom you were indentured, sent you to New Zealand to Alan Jones, a great trainer and a great tutor of riders. Uh, Alan and Colin, I think, have had a long association, haven't they?
1: Yeah, they definitely have. Um, I'm pretty sure that he he got Sky Heights off Alan and um, in a flurry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they've been great mates for a really long time, and um, he sent Matthew Gat to New Zealand also, so um, he mm-hmm. thought he would do the same thing with me, so he sent me to New Zealand, and I was going to track work the first morning I got there, and I had no idea what I was doing, oh. um, and I fell off nearly every single day, but um, I was in the deep end, but I think it taught me a lot.
0: Yeah, how long were you there?
1: Uh, I was there for pro- probably eight months, I think.
0: Right, and then back to Col Alderson.
1: Yeah, then I was back to Colin Ellison's and I was up to the trial, trials and um, um, getting my uh, tickets for Race running. Mm,
0: Colin would have been very surprised uh, to see uh, the package that Alan Jones sent back to Melbourne. You would have improved enormously.
1: Yeah, I think he was very pleased. Um, Colin was really good to me. Yeah, he, he taught me a lot as well. So um, And Cindy, I so definitely had a good grounding. They were, they were hard, but they were fair.
0: Yep. Now, the last couple of years at uh, the Aldersons were pretty productive. You rode a lot of winners for the stable.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of luck for them early and then my um, opportunity just started, um, wasn't arising. So um, mm. I spoke to Cindy and she said, um, how about if you go in the bush and you'll get definitely better opportunities. So that's when I moved to Michael O'Leary and he was yeah. based at Hamilton at the time.
0: Gee, a to- long way away.
1: Yeah, it was three and a half hours from Melbourne, so
0: um,
1: mm. yeah, moved, moved to Hamilton, and um, yeah, from day one, we, me and Michael, we, we kicked off really well, and we, we worked heaps, had heaps of benefits for him, and um, had a good friendship with Michael.
0: That wasn't the last stable you attended. Later on, you went to uh, Ross and Clint McDonald. They would have been at Caulfield then, were they?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So um, mm-hmm. I pretty much outlawed all my country claims, so I haven't ridden in the city, so I have to move to a city trailer just to start riding in town. So um, that's when I moved to Ross and Clinton
0: McDonald's, Yeah. Mm. Well, as I said in the introduction, you've been 11 years at Macedon Lodge uh, as a regular track rider for Lloyd Williams and the team, and you're there five days a week, Anthony, I think. Is that true?
1: Yep, that's definitely true, yeah. Um, I love working at Lloyd. It's been there, I've been there for 11 years. Um, he looks after me really well, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity because i ride all these, you know, Group One horses, and mm. so it's a privilege to be riding those horses.
0: Have you had much to do with any of his Melbourne Cup winners?
1: Yeah, I've ridden Green Moon. I've ridden Efficient. I've ridden the, um, the in a couple of times. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of association with those horses.
0: Mm. You've never put your hand up For a race ride From Macedon Lodge But every now and again Lloyd will throw you on one When you least expect it
1: Yeah uh, Lloyd's been really good I don't really ask for race rides I'm happy just to do the track work um, So yeah um, He throws me one hit now and again And one day He threw me a good one At Bendigo the Golden Mile Observation, Which mm. I one. And I said to him This horse is a very smart horse That will win So I well, okay, if you think it's good,
0: well, you can ride it go And mm. Lucky enough, I got the job done and we won, so it was a good, mm. good day. Peter Gelagotis has been very good to Anthony Darmanin. One really nice horse you were riding for, Peter, was a Lustrious Lad. You won six races on that horse, including a Group 2 on Derby Day, three years ago, maybe. Yep, that's right.
1: Yeah, he's been a really good horse for me, Illustrious Lustrious Lad. Um he took me to Dubai, and um, we rode an Alcon Sprint last year, which was an amazing experience. Um, and, yeah, Peter Gallagher has also been a big supporter of mine also, and he's been really good to me. So, yeah, that, he's that a special horse
0: for me as well. Anthony get you to stand by for a moment whilst we clear a commitment on the podcast back after this. The sale that has produced the likes of the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Esterjarb, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pino and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's Yearling Sale season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group One winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Dundeal, Deal, Eye Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award, and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Rain, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock, 31. I am invincible, 31. There are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Reduce Choice, 21 by ZooStar, 19 by Medaglia Doro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet, and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 English Easter Yealing Sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online. Talking with Anthony Darmanin, who'll be riding Mystic Journey in the $5 million All-Stars Mile on Saturday, March 16. Anthony, another high-profile horse you got to ride in Tasmania was The Cleaner, who was the subject of a popular book two or three years ago. You won a listed race on him at Mowbray one day, and he and his trainer, Mick Burles, were in a very similar mould to Vic Rail and Vo Rogue from another era.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's been he was such a tough old horse. Um, I was very grateful for the opportunities I was riding the Queen in Tasmania. And I had a few seconds on him, and um, then we went to Mooney Valley, and we won at Mooney Valley, so I kept the ride, and he won by that day, and then... On that list race at Launceston. Um and yeah, he was just such a tough old horse. He just would uh, go out in front, go pretty pretty solid in front. And um and Nicky wanted, you know, to go a little bit early on him and, and uh, ride him up. And he always just just kept going. He just he was just so tough and honest.
0: Mm.
1: Um, that was his best trademark. He was just
0: so honest and tough. He finished up winning 19 races in all and 1.4 million. So he was. Uh, he was a great success story for Mick Burles. Adam Trinder has another pretty promising two-year-old filly down there by the name of Mystical Pursuit. I think she's unbeaten. She's by the same sire as Mystic Journey. Uh, yes, she's won four from four. But you haven't been riding her, Anthony? No. Yeah, she's a
1: two-year-old, and I think she was a little bit flaky early days. And um, I'm sure I think Adam has ridden her work, and uh, I think dropped Adam and cracked his pelvis. So I think he was a bit cautious in trying to save him and not get, not get hurt. Um, yeah, she looks like she's definitely got ability. She's unbeaten four from four, like you said, and um, hmm. she's doing everything the right way as well. So she, thought, she might be a doodle star as well. Hmm.
0: You know, when it was obvious Mystic Journey was a Group 1 filly and that her future lay on the mainland uh, long-term... Did you ever, for one second, wonder if you might be replaced?
1: Oh, 100%, John. Um, there's so many good jockeys in Melbourne, um, and obviously everybody follows racing, and they, even though she's winning in Tasmania, and she's winning well, I'm sure she had a lot of spotlight on her, and uh, I'm sure a lot of jockeys are um, pulling for the ride, so... Adam's very loyal, so that's one thing I was very confident in, and also the way the owner. So yeah. um, they've been very supportive and been very loyal. So that's what you need sometimes. You just need a bit of you know support and loyalty, and it goes a long way. And I'm just happy I've we've repaid, repaid them with a group one win. Mm.
0: Mum and dad's involvement nowadays, Anthony. Do they come and watch you ride, or do they simply watch everything on Sky Racing?
1: Yeah, they watch everything on Sky Racing. They'll be coming on Saturday, um, but yeah, they watch everything on Sky. My mum rides every horse that I ride. She's still got this big book. she rides. Every placing and um, she tapes every ride, so she's got she's got them all. But they at that moment they stay at home and watch them on TV.
0: Melbourne's had a number of very good Maltese jockeys over the years. Probably uh, the most notable Darren Gouchy, who retired only twelve months or so back.
1: Yeah, there was plenty of them. There was um, Maddie Gatt, obviously a good friend of mine, Darren Gouchy, uh, Terry, Brendan Fennec. Most of them hung, hung the boots up. So mm. I think it's only me and Mark Zell, if I'm not too sure, but there was a few of us back then. But, yeah, there was a few dropping off. But um, Hopefully there's a few more that come.
0: And Mystic Journey, Anthony, how is she on race day? Is she calm and relaxed about it all? I mean, it's a different atmosphere, isn't it, at Flemington on a big day than it is at Mowbray or Elwick? Yeah,
1: definitely different. Um, yeah, she's so relaxed. She just takes it all in. Um, like, on the way to Flemington the other day, she was pretty much truck from the a and like a nice warm-up, but she was so relaxed. She was just, just cruising. So, yeah, she's very relaxed, really, and um, that's what helps her, I think, as well. She just takes everything in her stride.
0: Mm. And how much has she changed your focus on your future as a jockey? I mean, would you like to expand your... Uh, career, as far as number of rides is concerned, or are you happy to go along the way you have been? I know you enjoy it at Macedon Lodge. Are you happy just to continue having the odd ride here and there, or would you like to expand the career?
1: Good question. I'm definitely happy um, what I'm doing at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm rowing in Tasmania twice a week and um, having the odd ride. Obviously, if I have better opportunities, I'd love, I'd love to be... A uh, city jockey on a regular regular basis, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 pretty comfortable where I'm, I, I sit at the moment. Um, I've got a good job at Lloyd's, which I'm thankful for, and um, I get great opportunities in Tasmania. So, like I said, I never thought I'd ever ride in One races and stuff like that. And now for win One, I'm very thankful. And um, yeah, if, if if opportunities arise, I'll, I'm definitely taking them. But if it doesn't, I'm, I'm not too fast either.
0: You know, I think one very important point we should uh, get across here to trainers listening to the podcast, Anthony, is your ability to ride at a very, very light weight. You tell me you can walk around at home at forty-eight. Yeah, so,
1: uh, that's, yeah that's where I'm very lucky. I'm forty-eight naturally stripped, so um,
0: hmm.
1: I, I've just been the home answer in my career so far, which I've been very lucky. Um, so yeah, like it's a light ride in, in a big race. Um, hmm. I Always tell my manager to, to call um, the, the trainers if they're looking for a jockey. So mm. yeah, that's that's one benefit
0: I have. Could you ride a top-class three-year-old at forty-eight or forty-nine, for instance, in a Cox Plate, G- given notice?
1: Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah, it's definitely a advantage of not sweating for a big big race like that. I think I think. Um, being naturally like it's always gonna be
0: help help the jockeys there if they say that, that way. Mm. Well, Anthony Darmanin, I'm very, very glad you're a part of Australia's latest turf romance, the emergence of a filly from the Apple Isle to reach the dizzy heights of Group One glory at Flemington, and to think she's in a five million dollar race on Saturday, the sixteenth of March. I hope this all leads to many more opportunities for you at the elite level and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Anthony, thanks for your time.
1: Thanks, John. Really appreciate
0: it. And this podcast has been produced by Supernova Sound. The sale that has produced the likes of the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Esterjar, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pino and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's Yearling Sale season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group 1 winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shoals, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Eye Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Reign, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock, 31, I Am Invincible 31, there are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Redoute's Choice, 21 by Zoostar, 19 by Madaglia Doro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa. Tappet and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 English Easter Yealing sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online.